Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Happy New Year, everyone. It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Canvas Legalization News. I'm producer Lawrence. Today we're going to be speaking with Jared Moffitt, the campaign coordinator at Marijuana Policy Project. He's going to tell us a little bit about what's going to be happening in 2020. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So what's going on, guys? Illinois has a reason to celebrate today, right? Oh, uh, it's legal. Oh, shit. <laughs> totally legal. Oh. Of course, that's still medical. That's been legal for me for like two and a half years. But boy, isn't that amazing. So uh, we're yeah. going to do some shit today, I'm sure. Like lines, big lines. Oh, there were lines five years, six years ago. What year? It was around the first of the year when uh, Washington State started too, right? Yeah, Seattle had a, uh, I think with Canvas City was the first one. And it did, a, of course, the big hoopla. Uh, there was a guy, Magical Butter Guy was there. Uh, mm. He had his green hair. They're giving away shit. You know, they had right. a big bus there. It's a big who to do. But, uh, you know, after the first week, you're kind of like, all right, I'm just going to go to the store. Well, I hope that's what it's going to be. I'm just going to go to the store simply because of supply constraints and concerns that we have. Hopefully there's plenty of flowers growing in the state of Illinois. And there are, there are, you know, I mean, the black market's probably not all that worried about the first few months, you know, shortages, hundred dollar eighths. That's, that's the magic thing. What will an eighth of good weed from like Verano or something run you after you pay all the taxes? No, that's the question, dude. Like, you know, and then what is your bottom shelf weed going to be priced at? And well, there really isn't any bottom shelf weed. That's the thing. Like for my medical stuff, I, I was just told that I need to check out Arez again because it's an aeroponic grower out of Arizona that I tried months ago. And I'm like, this is, this is bad or, you know, not the best for yeah. um, medical grade cannabis. But then somebody told me I should check them out again. Their birthday cake evidently is supposed to be on fire. And um so sure I will, but those ones are like fifty dollar eighths. Uh, that's that's like the cheapest eighth of high quality that you can get. Sixty dollar eighths, fifty nine dollar eighths is like the more expensive version of the eighths for medical grade uh, with the taxes downstate prices because they like keep you married to your um, dispensary. So I can't shop prices around or like I can't take my medical card into a different dispensary. That type of stuff. I'm not sure. Do you guys still have medical weed out there, man? Yeah, no. There's it's a very it's not as thriving as it was, but we still have medical. There's uh, still one uh, uh, market that we have that I know of. So it just takes me to go out there and show my, my uh, medical record, and I'll get a $100 script. And uh, that can go 
tax-free thing is a nice thing. Uh, and when I say by low quality weed, I, I mean, as far as like proper purging, you know, nutrients, uh, you know, some of these cats are rushing, you know, that's once this happens, once it kicks in, you guys, you know, trying to ramp up uh, a, a yeah. bigger flower, uh, a better, you know, production. And at the end, as a consumer, as, as an asthmatic, I notice it because some shit will make me breathe hard hmm. and other stuff will make me be like, okay, that was good stuff. Like I, I feel cleansed. Like the craft weed in about a year, where it's just going to be easier for them to take on uh, at least and command a higher price point because of the higher quality that they should be able to deliver over like the larger producers that are trying to go for weight and volume. You know, well, I think that you you'll find is uh, as the consumer becomes more enlightened. Again, this is something we've been fighting here in Washington when it comes to like uh, consumer awareness. You know, it's not just about highest THC. That's right. About terpenes. You know, there's a whole cannabinoid profile here. But, yeah, that's the problem with the THC percentages. It just creates more of uh, misconceptions again. But, you know, the stuff that tastes good and that makes you feel good, you know, that find that out. And I think that's really going to be important. And a lot of that was one of the things that I was working on furiously uh, recently as I'm getting these. Hopefully, by the time this airs, totally is New Year's Day. Totally. <laughs> yeah. By the time this airs, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done and I'm submitted and I'm able to enjoy my New Year's. But then, you know, we're drafting so many of these exhibits and applications that go into it. And they, they talk about how much education you're going to make a part of your dispensing from not only on your side, you know, the d- dispensing agents, the employees themselves, but as to the customers facing side. So you can educate and explain all that stuff to them. So, you know, with some of these uh, plans that you're putting out there, by the time, you know, the customer is educated, hopefully, hopefully Illinois is just full of snooty weed snobs It'd be great well, like you know oh sorry you have to do this this and this that would be great yeah like is that yeah. organically grown did that plant was it raised with kind neighbors and uh, yeah oxygen I'm sorry. how much reiki was performed on these butts i'm just saying that's the northwest yeah. shit right there but the, the whole thing is like yeah as the consumer becomes more light and more aware then i think the product becomes better too i think that's why we had it so good here when it was medical because uh there was just so much so many people growing it in that you had so many varieties, you know, small people had a chance. And so if I, you know, Miggy's home grow, and uh, if I can only make one plant, but people loved it, I made some freaking money out of it. Can't we get like a licensing agreement for that? Can't we like get Miggy's home grow and make that as to like just a hybrid strain and start selling that shit? And then you could hype it on here. Right. (laughs) But it it goes back to branding too, right? And culture and and who, who gives a fuck about any of this. It's like Jack Hare. How Jack long does it take for that man to be a name and how many kids don't know who he is? Oh, well, I think everybody, well, I'm not going to say everybody. People that have smoked his strain know who he is. They might not know like the guy behind the guy, though. But we got the same birthday. Huh. All right on. I'm just saying everybody thinks Jack here is a, a, a sativa. You know, they don't know him as a man that actually he preferred Indicas. Really? <laughs> yeah. Have ever smoked his own strain? Yeah, well, I, I know uh, I'm friends with Joy Graves, who was his caretaker in, his, in the ends of his days. And mm-hmm. uh, she tells me if one, he did smoke it, but he didn't like it. And uh, just being an Indica guy. So, yeah. you know, it, it's funny how the history writes itself after we're gone, right? Like, who knows what position you and I will be in when fucking 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. No. But then uh, everybody believes in the truth. It's this wonderful, like, little, oh, isn't that fun that everybody gets it all wrong, but yet they believe in veracity. 
Huh. So I think the internet brought that to us, dude. And, and, I you don't know, think the internet. I think the internet did the exact opposite. We actually have a lot more instances of like data as opposed to back in the day when it was just like she's a witch, burn her. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard, right? You can look at both ends. Like one prohibition, the internet's helped fight against that very well because you can't hide truth. Or if you you're manipulating truth in the middle of bullshit, I mean, that's the nice thing about the, that nothing means anything. But that's like, that yeah. goes back to 1981, Simulation of the Simulacrum by Jean Ballard. I think I'm pronouncing that name right. I My French isn't all that great. Better than mine, bro. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> so, hey, uh, did you enjoy your New Year's? Oh, I, I am totally enjoying it. Not hungover. Totally stoked. Not hungover <laughs> at all. Seahawks won, right? Yeah. Flashing. Um, yeah, well, well let's, let's, let's just get that out of the air then. It's almost been a year since we've been talking, man. Like, I can't believe uh, it's been a year. On, we're going on 11 months. We're going on yeah. 11 months and over 10x uh, in growth. I don't know if we'll be able to go another 10x next year, but uh, the one thing that I noticed, and that's one of the reasons why the, the news is titled what it is now, because these types of titles are uh, much more likely to trend. So like when I did that more piece really quick, so you have to find out what's trending and then do something really, really fast about that. And so like when the uh, Illinois released those last minute updates, and then you do uh, just a quick thing on that, and it's it's a, a relevant searchable topic that you know spikes up. Those really just all of a sudden take off the number of subscribers. I mean, they just start bouncing. We put on like 600 subscribers last month. Well, I think you and I, we've just been carrying a conversation through and through and true for fucking 10 years at least now, you know? I mean, just that's just online. And I, I, it's only a matter of time before the our base gets bigger. You know, when I used to contribute to the website that we don't talk about no more, <laughs> um, you know, we hit a peak of a million fucking hits a month. You know, and I didn't know we were doing that. I'm just a guy who likes to smoke weed and writes articles and, and wants to well, change. It's probably like your most basic shit. And so that's like SEO sometimes will, you'll have like four articles that might be worth half the traffic. And a lot of those articles might just be simple how to's that uh, correlate to the amount of search terms. So like, you know, if there's something's being searched a whole bunch of times, you'll grow up to whenever that saturation is. But yeah, I mean, I like, and I, I think it was weednews.co that you were writing at and you showed me some of like their top 10 uh, ranks. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I see what you're doing here. Uh, we could we could respawn that content and then uh, make, you know, a, a redirect from what's currently still probably being ranked on uh, weednews.co. But uh, the internet is interesting and I'm thrilled that I actually learned how it works. And um, I have no idea how much larger this can get if we continue to use uh, SEO policies and procedures. Well, I think with the SEO, we're, we're beyond that, though, because you and I have been doing this. Like, it's not just SEO, but it's also reputation, right? Like, it, we haven't been doing this because we've been paying our bills with it. So, well, I, I, I am. I am well, paying my bills. Motherfucker. But, like, yeah. I, I didn't, I, yeah, well, come on. <laughs> Overnight success, 10 years in the making. Like, this thing, like, I didn't, I didn't pay my bills with that, you know, that. That was just fun and uh, helping people understand how much truth that there is in this plant that is just totally whitewashed uh, over the past, uh, you know, 80 years. And what do you think? So wild speculation. Uh, it's 2020. Safe Banking Act, that's going to pass. What do you think? Uh, you know, Schedule 1, is it done? I, I, I think we will pass. I think it's a matter still of this, uh, you know, our, we're in this right now this cloud of politics right like yeah even if it makes it through election you know, in november what president will sign it at that point you know who's going to be trump in, will sign it 
Come well, on. I know, and, and we all know this. Will, he, will he know, or will he just say that he'll sign it because it's popular, knowing it'll never get to his desk? Well, Biden and both uh, and Bloomberg flipped, you know, in a week. Did they? Biden yeah. and Bloomberg? Ugh, I don't know. I'm not yes, excited for them. Hey, but who else is paying the bills? I think our guest is paying his bills this way. I hope our guest is paying the bill. Actually, you know what? If we're going to have a, a discussion, a long and, and interesting discussion about uh, 2020 and what's going to be happening on a federal level in cannabis, we have just the best guest for it. You know, it's it's a uh, what do they call that? The bowl games. It's a bowl game of guests that we yeah. have. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Jared, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, not much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Can you absolutely. tell us a little bit about uh, Marijuana Policy Project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so MPP has been around since uh, the 1990s, 1995, and we've been um, working to change marijuana laws uh, in that time period. And I think that we've had a lot of success. Um, most, the majority of the legalization laws that are on the books right now, uh, we played a significant role, if not a leadership role in those campaigns. Um, and we continue to, you know, change state laws and, and lobby at the federal level too. So, yeah, it's 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 a pretty exciting time to to be with the group. I joined in 2014, so I kind of I joined at probably the most exciting point, and have continued to ride the wave. But um, you know, it's it's just a great organization to be part of that has a long history of of making real change. So I'm I'm proud to be part of it. Jared, would you consider yourself like a lobbyist, or how would you characterize your position? Um, you know, when I, so previously for a number of years, uh, and the way I got started with MPP is I was initially part of a student group called Students for Sensible Drug Policy uh, while I was in school in Providence, Rhode Island. And um, I worked to organize students and others around the decriminalization law that ended up passing in 2012 um, and enacted in 2013. And so, you know, as a student, I kind of uh, started building a coalition within the state of Rhode Island to pass full adult use legalization. Um, founded a group that still kind of exists, uh, Regulate Rhode Island. And basically that work, I was already working with MPP at the time, but they sort of saw what I was doing and decided they needed to bring me on board. And so um, while I was mostly focused on Rhode Island, I was registered as a lobbyist there. But I would say that my role was more of a community organizer. Um, I certainly did, you know, go lobby legislators, but mainly my uh, work focused on, you know, bringing groups into the coalition, getting grassroots, um, you know, legislative calls for, for change. So, you know, letter writing, canvassing in districts and so on. So I wasn't the traditional, you know, sort Was of your... high lobbyist, but yeah. technically I filed lobbyist reports um, for Rhode Island. Now so I'm you working. you totally a lobbyist then. I mean, if you're filing the reports, you're a lobbyist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. So was that your first foray into uh, organizing and for legislative action? It was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, how I learned pretty much everything I know about organizing at this point was being first part of SSDP, the student group, and then um, regulate Rhode Island and MPP. So then why, why was it the cannabis plant that called you out? Um, well, I think that, you know, to be honest, I was interested in the drug war as a whole. And, um, you know, that's why I joined SSDP because, you know, they were really talking about the, the whole war on drugs and, um, you know, personally, I, I'm not speaking for MPP when I say this, but I think that all drugs should be legal and regulated in some some fashion, not necessarily. You know, not, not like, so you don't support the criminalization of substances. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, I think the arguments for other drugs 
apply just as well to marijuana, frankly. I mean, when we talk well, about... I, I will make a distinction between the uh, regulation of heroin and marijuana being the same, but uh, I still think that heroin should be like regulated. You know, it's there shouldn't right. be... A, I, don't, I don't necessarily want a heroin market out there. Right. There's no no, fest. Yeah, no, and I, and I agree with that too, to be clear. I'm saying that we should there should be a, a legal way to access drugs because that's the only way you get rid of prohibition. But that doesn't mean we could regulate all drugs the same way. Um, I certainly agree with you on that. But anyway, so I mean, I think I got started because I felt that drug policy was an issue that frankly was seeing progress, whereas a lot of other issues haven't made as much progress. And that's partly because you can make arguments from a libertarian or conservative point of view, and you can make it from a more progressive or leftist point of view. And that excited me as a student because I wanted to be part of something that was making progress. And um, yeah, so basically just working in SSDP, you know, we worked on this decriminalization campaign in Rhode Island, and then MPP offered me a job after I graduated. So that's sort of why I went more into the, the marijuana or cannabis space. Um, but, you know, it's it, to me, it's a part of a larger movement. Yeah. No, do, uh, do people ask you, I know, like, from my perspective, as a guy who's been, like, cheerleading pot for, you know, over 20 years, um, I never thought your position would be, like, ever happening. Hell, I didn't even think Tom's position would ever be happening. Like, people who are grown-ups getting paid to, to champion cannabis. And yeah. uh, my, 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 my question to you is, do uh, other people ask you, like, hey, how can I get to the industry? What, what, what do you suggest? Like, for me, I think, like, in my position, just in the media side of things, I, it's volunteerism. It's all about volunteering. That's how you get your name out. And, and then you show yeah. that you put your money where your mouth is. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, and frankly, I put in several years of, of volunteer work, um, you know, unpaid. And that's I, I did it because I cared about the issue. And I think that, you know, MPP hired me because they saw – dedicated I was. So I think it doesn't have to be, frankly, I think, you know, what we look for when we find local partners in other states to work on ballot initiatives, they don't necessarily have to have a background in marijuana specifically, but we want to see that they have a background in organizing. They know how to run campaigns. Um, so I would say that anyone who's looking to get involved in the advocacy side, you know, get involved with any type of political activism, uh, you know, doing that can be helpful. People do ask me all the time how to get into the industry. And frankly, I don't know how to get into the industry. I don't personally, I don't really ever want to be in the industry. Just That's just not my cup of tea. I'm more of a, a political activist type. Um, but yeah, I think it makes sense to, you know, you got to network, you got to, you got to sort of put yourself out there. And I've seen other people do that successfully. So that's my recommendation is, you know, I, know, man. I think you got a lot to bring to the industry, like that type of organizational skills and planning. Uh, and orchestration that is a skill i mean like you know the industry might have a lot of uh, sales pitches and you know bullshit artists but uh, if somebody can actually put together an operation there and carry it out because a political action uh, uh that takes a lot you know how, i mean you're, you're talking about signing petitions you're talking about drafting petitions have you ever drafted legislation in and of itself yeah definitely um and I, you know, review ballot petition language. I, yeah, I've written several uh, pieces of legislation in Rhode Island. And uh, yeah, I mean, thank, thank you. That's, that's kind of you to say. It's, it's not so much, I don't think I, I think I could work in the industry. I just, again, personally, it's not where my heart is. Um, maybe I'll change as I get older and want to make more money. <laughs> but uh, for now, I'm willing to, uh, 
to, to do what I'm doing and I love it. So, so then where do you see 2020 then? Because if you're there in the front lines and in the trenches of uh, making political change in the cannabis space with MPP, what's on the agenda for 2020? Yeah, well, we've got a lot of uh, several ballot initiatives in the works. I'm already pretty heavily involved in the Nebraska medical marijuana campaign um, and uh, the Montana adult use legalization campaign is getting fired up. So we're we're working on that. There's a few others, uh, excuse me, not Montana, South Dakota, um, South Dakota we're working on. Um, but there are a few other states that, you know, are in the works. I can't really, uh, it's not official yet, so I don't want to, um, you know, give it away. But yeah, so we're looking to probably change laws in, I mean, in total, not necessarily what NPP is doing, but probably about six or seven states um, I could see passing significant reform and the majority of those are going to be adult use legalization most folks know about let's go over them let's let's go down the sure. six list yeah sure yeah. yeah well so arizona's got uh, i think a very good shot um and the industry folks are kind of you know supporting that and uh that's that's great to see i think they're probably going to pass nice. uh, ohio seems very likely um again it's it seems to be kind of an industry driven <laughs> process at this point um but you know that that helps because it takes a lot of money to uh to put these things on the ballot um, Florida, you know, looks promising, but it's tougher because um, you have to get 60% of the vote in Florida, um, right. which is more challenging. Um, yeah. Mississippi, which is where I grew up, I'm, I'm very proud to say, is going to have... Are you, um, do you actually like to smoke weed? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so like you came out of Mississippi where like the only weed that I know that's grown there is the stuff from the federal government, which sucks. I mean, like, yeah. is there a culture down there for cannabis? Uh, I think it's actually the least uh, cannabis uh, consumer, the fewest cannabis consumers per capita of any state. Uh, so, but, there, but there's there's, so, a, there's a culture there. I know the Ocean Shores oh, mayor. Yeah. Uh, he stood up for medical cannabis. Uh, I, I went to school in Biloxi, or uh, maybe oh, cool. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm intimate with that area. But yeah, awesome. Ocean Shores. Uh, that guy stepped up. I mean, but that Mississippi's definitely scary though. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. So, but but it's exciting, and I think I think it's got a very good chance of passing in Mississippi, and and that's going to send, um, you know, I think a ripple effect through the rest of the southern states. And I, it, oh, you yeah. know, I, it, it we had somebody on from Arizona that was mentioning that they're trying to organize a ballot initiative there, and Oklahoma. I mean, that thing broke so wide open in medical. I wonder how quick that's going to go before it's full on adult use. Um, yeah. Well, wait and see. Uh, that's all I can say on that. But um, so Arkansas, uh, there's a there's an activist driven initiative um, that's happening. I don't know that they're going to be able to, you know, get enough signatures to qualify, but that would be really exciting. It's an expungement uh, law and then an adult use legalization uh, petition. Right. Um, then you've got Idaho uh, that, that's working on medical marijuana. Um, I think I mentioned Nebraska already. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm losing count at this point. It's it's going to be a very busy year. <laughs> a lot of dominoes in this in this fight, right? Totally. Yeah. They they all start falling pretty quickly though toward the end, which is nice. And uh, the right. thing that we could then talk about is something that might further the wind in the sails of these initiatives would be a federal legislative change. Uh, so, what do you think is going to happen in 2020 with the uh, the coup, the two main bills that have you know Safe Banking Act already passed Congress and the Moore Act made it out of the Judiciary Committee? Right. Well, I'm not sure. Has the Safe Banking Act passed the Senate? No, no. I, I when I said Congress, I meant the House. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
traditional well, usage. I think that's the big question mark that, um, you know, frankly, I don't think anyone knows for sure. I obviously, I think the, the banking act has the best chance of, of passing the Senate um, and, you know, the president signing it. But I also just sort of feel like with everything going on in the political world right now with impeachment and the mm -hmm. primary elections, I, I kind of am skeptical that anything's going to pass um, of any significance. So I certainly hope so. The more acts I, I don't see, I don't see how that passes the Senate. Um, I mean, I support it. I think it's a great piece of legislation. But with the Republicans in control, they're just they're not there's no way they're going to pass it. Why do you think that um, won't pass? Is it because of the reparation parts? Yeah, I think they they, you know, they, they're just not going to go along with legalization if it's framed as a racial justice issue, if it's if it's framed as a social justice issue. They want to talk about money and you know business and entrepreneurship and that type of thing. So it, it would be a win for the Democrats um, in such a way that Republicans just don't want to give that to them. That's a shame. I love how you the reason why you said you came in is because you saw the arguments for both sides, left and right, for legalization. Yeah. I, it just seems to me that we have this trouble putting that one sentence together that, that both sides go, oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. This is the best choice for Americans. For yeah, like they're really country. professionals at just arguing at one another, and that's Seriously. It. doing it for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. I mean, even watching the impeachment argument where one side was on the other side, and they were just like, it's, it was a stalemate. And it's like, yeah. can, can yeah. somebody just open their mind for a little bit, digest what the other one's saying, and then say, okay, this is why I don't agree with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Even when they both agree, they don't. They don't agree. It's like yes, it should be legal. Right. It should be legal, but not like that. Like, oh, right. okay. So we agree, but we aren't going to do it because we don't agree. How? Great. Right. Yeah. And, and and frankly, that is a lesson I learned in Rhode Island as well, because um, you know we've been trying to pass a bill for you know, I guess going on about eight years now, and it's not that we don't have the support in the legislature. We, we know that, you know, based on our sort of whip count and, and talking with legislators, that if they simply put it to a vote on the floor of both the House and Senate in Rhode Island, it would pass because we have enough support. The challenge is, where does it rank on the list of priorities for the Speaker of the House? How does it, you know, who, who's in the club of, of pushing for it? And are those people in the club well-liked by you know, yeah. the powers that be. And that's so one of the reasons, reasons you're absolutely right. And that's one of the reasons why on the show we do mention about how Illinois, while it's the 11th state, is really the first because it did it legislatively. So it had to do all these backroom deals, House and Senate pass reconciliations, get it through, get it signed. And then, you know, the rulemaking as well. And so we'll talk about how sometimes when these ballot initiatives go through and then the legislature's like, mm -mm, they can yeah. screw with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Legislative wins are so much harder than ballot yeah. wins. Um, so we're learning that. I mean, we've, we've learned it. But uh, yeah, so I think it's the same thing at, con at the level of Congress is it's not necessarily that you that we haven't won the war of ideas. I think we have. But that's a totally different thing than getting legislation passed. No, that's a great concept of war of ideas. I mean, this like I, I tell Tom over and over because here in Washington, we're fighting for homegrown just to, you know, make legalization right. Yeah. And uh, um, I just learned more and more how non-sexy politics are. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the, the, the most driest, most... Uh, uh, it's worse than the public comment period. I, I just... Just close like, for the USDA on hemp. How do yeah. we get shit done? It's mostly what I come by <laughs> when I walk away with. How do we get shit done? But, you yeah. know, and, and I know you guys were saying how, like, the Illinois uh, is the real legalization. But I think either way, you find ways to manipulate the process right like here they gave us legalization but no home grow 
And then the next bill that came in was the Patient Safe Act, and that just killed medical for the most part. Like, yeah, uh, doors were closed, shops were closed because of it, um, because they were integrating the two programs in one, and that just mm -hmm. wasn't a thing. As they say, all politics is local. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah. But in yeah. oh yeah, go ahead, bro. Oh yeah, I was just going to say it's a good point to make that there are still a lot of battles to fight even after laws pass. I mean, yeah. we see the implementation being an issue a lot of times as well. Yeah, I yeah. think we're going to have plenty of future episodes in 2020 of cannabis legalization news. But I really because this is the least settled the cannabis laws have been in any of our lifetimes. Like, it, if there's one law that is so quickly evolving. It's the cannabis laws. The, the federal level is is even changing really, really quickly, especially if they uh, defund the rest of cannabis from uh, the war on drugs. I mean, currently, uh, and we're going to have to see what the budget did this time. Did they expand it from just the medical prohibition on uh, the Department of Justice to all cannabis at a state level? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check the budget on that. I think they took that, that, that out. Yeah. In the Senate, they took it out. So it's just still the medical restriction? Yep unfortunately so but how, many, how many other products are out there where i can leave my legal state go to another state and now i'm criminal federally too how many other products are there i, I mean i know pit bulls are banned in like a california yeah. but i mean like what else is banned well i mean drugs i mean i guess that's it i mean there's in probably general, drugs you know right well i think yeah alcohol can be tricky like i know you can't ship certain you know to certain states but but yeah it's a pretty unique um situation mm-hmm yeah. Well, I'm just saying that it, it raises all these federal issues and it raises all these legal questions, none of which are settled. And so like the most settled aspect of the cannabis laws are probably at the federal level. And then if they would have had that, I mean, the only small exception they have is in that budget where they say, don't give any money to this war for these guys. But then they didn't expand it to protect, you know, tacitly, at least uh, giving the green light to the cannabis companies for 2020 and, and expand that because now Illinois is going to be, you know, with its ass out in the winds going like, Hey, come at me, bro. Because there's allocation out there for uh, the department of justice to shut down the legal States. I mean, they could, they could do it. They haven't. I mean, I, I you're going to probably continue to see more banking, more more business going into it because the Trump administration has said that they're going to allow it and they aren't going to uh, stop any type of, um, you know. Well, I think this is the one now law-ish type issue that, because you know, got all these people talking rhetoric like, well, if Trump gets a piece, there's going to be a fucking civil war bullshit. That's still yeah. stupid. But if states were to invade or if the federal were to invade states and say, you need to stop business now. I think then you might see an extra revolution, though. I mean, yeah, you got but there's no money for it. I mean, there's no money. There's no political appetite. It's one of the most. Right. It's so popular. Both sides agree on it. They just don't agree on how. Yes. It's That's just it. insane. But and, and, I, and I think uh, back to Jared's point of him as far as a lobbyist in, in the market, because I as I said, I was doing research on you earlier, bro. And uh, you're pretty badass, dude. I mean, for being so young and, and well, being involved and. and uh, I was watching your interviews with the, uh, as you're fighting for Rhode Island's legalization, you were doing interviews with a national bank, some, some bank, yeah, some channel had some bank at the channel there. Oh, uh, um, I'm not remembering that, but. <laughs> oh, well, I just thought it was interesting that you chose that avenue to do a uh, interview. Cause I mean, it makes sense that any bank wants to be involved in, in policy and all this other shit coming up that yeah. why not have the, the cannabis guy on? I mean, uh, that in yeah. itself is the marketing approach that I think you added to 
with probably the was the campaigns, right? That's what you do, campaigns. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's no one I won't talk to, and I think that um, you know I even got environmental groups to sign on, you know, onto our coalition because prohibition basically displaces cultivation into you know public uh, lands and, and national parks and ends up you know when you don't have regulation, um, it creates a, a less environmentally friendly uh, environment. So I mean. There's all kinds of people that are touched by these issues, and that was another fun part of getting into this movement was realizing that I could go to almost any other issue group and say, look, I bet this touches you in some way, and there's a reason you should be involved. Yeah, the Illinois industry is replete with uh, environmental um, concessions. Well, they aren't concessions, but like, you know, there's environmental hoops that they want you to do. They want you to be as green and as carbon neutral and have such a, a low impact on the environment as possible. So it's uh, the environmental thing to do is to legalize cannabis. What's the package yeah. requirements, Tom, for Illinois? What's that? What's the package requirements? Oh, they're just they're probably very similar to the Washington State and California ones now, where when it leaves the uh, the, the cultivation facility, it's already shrink wrapped, pre weighed, pre pre tested, labeled, everything like that, child proof. Uh, so when the dispensaries buy it here in Illinois, they buy it just as it as it left the uh, manufacturer. So uh, they they aren't buying bulk flour and breaking it up or creating any pre-rolls, nothing like that. I just think that the packaging issue itself is an environment issue. You know, uh, oh, sure. I have a drawer full of about 60 fucking jars uh, just in a month's use. I'm just trying to guesstimate how much damage I'm doing to the world or what I could do with the extra jars. Like I have really nice glass jars. And then I question like, okay, in this glass jar, how much of the cost for that glass jar? There's a labeling on top of that jar. You know, how much was this weed fucking really worth? Because then they're also marketed up 25% for the state income tax. So besides mm -hmm. the packaging and the taxing, you know, this fucking gram cost them uh, $2 and I'm paying fucking $10 for it. It's a little out, out of balance right now. Yeah. Yep. And I yep. think that's why home grow is so important because home grow is kind of the ultimate check on, you know, taxes and, and any type of, um, you know, price, uh, ridiculous price increases right. without recreating prohibition. So home grow is really, really key. Yeah. Is MPP doing anything? I'm oh, sorry. I would just say that that's why I'm glad that Illinois has it for their medical patients, because it's it's really important when you're talking about access and patient access, because uh, like these $60 eighths, that adds up when you need your medicine. So if you had the ability to grow your own, you can bring your price point down substantially. On consumer awareness, too. I mean, that way, you know, oh, shit, it takes three months to grow the, the kind of weed I want. So I can't be in a rush when I'm going to go buy this or whatever. You know, I just... Mm -hmm. The awareness for the consumer is huge, and we miss yeah. out with the home grow. Jared, is MPP doing anything through the home grow policy? I know here in Washington, you know, you guys are more than welcome to reach out to two old guys that I know. Uh, um, running the I, initiative. I mean, uh, we're kind of fighting a battle in Rhode Island because they're, they've been trying for years to take away home grow for the medical program in Rhode Island. Um, uh, and, you know, certainly when we uh, write initiatives or, or support campaigns, we do everything we can to ensure that home grow is part of um, you know, any medical marijuana legalization initiative, we're, we're a little stretched thin, to be honest with you. I mean, we're, we don't have enough staff to be, you know, really having a campaign in every state. Um, so I don't know if we can, we can specifically help, but if there are small ways, definitely let me know. And, um, you know, we can send emails, we can, we can do what we can. That's kind of low maintenance. Okay. Um, but yeah, we definitely support home grow and, um, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's a political reality that it's, you know, it's not us saying we don't want this. It's just 
this isn't going to pass if, if yeah. homegrown is in it. And that's, you know, that's just the reality of, of politics. Sometimes you have to compromise. So. Well, it is. Like we're talking in the green room, you were saying how in uh, Rhode Island, it's a Democrat run state, but it's very tightly conservative. Uh, here in Washington, you would think our super liberal hippie people's uh, democratic. That's actually the committees where it's getting stalled at is in our democratic led fucking joint committees. It's like, how does that work? You're supposed to yeah. be on the side of good. Let it, let it go through. Did you wet their beaks enough? That's the problem. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. They didn't want any trouble. They just wanted to bribe, man. It's not a bribe. Yeah. It's a campaign contribution. No, <laughs> it's a bribe, but you know, quid pro quo. Those never happen in government ever. Yeah. Just do me a favor, please. Yeah. Everybody just does favors for each other. They're so helpful. Kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, that's what we run into in Rhode Island a lot is, is frankly, it's just, um, there's a, there's a lot of cronyism. There's a lot of corruption. And, and again, the public is behind legalization. The problem is there's a, a push to sort of consolidate the market, you know, in the hands of just a few people. Oh, we don't have well that. Connected. At least they, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen anywhere else. The presence of it <laughs> has tried to be uh, mitigated in our state's legislation, at least with the way that it's drafted. Uh, they've tried to like lock people out. So it's fairly decentralized and you can't control more than like 2% of the licenses for dispensing or you can't control more than like, you know, about 2% of the licenses for the craft grows. But then it's going to be interesting to see, okay, what about the management companies that are working these places? They don't necessarily own the license, but they're taking the cash flow. We'll see. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They can be very creative in their methods. Uh, oh, don't you think I know that? What do you think I do all day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a very interesting uh, pro proposition you guys put there. Let me, uh, let me wrap my head around this one. Yeah. Hey, I, got, yeah. I, got, I, got, I got a hypothetical for you guys. I mean, I know uh, uh, we're always fearing big, big marijuana, whatever, right? And that's a... Uh, Jared and I were talking about uh, making fun of Sam Sabat's group because uh, they, they're always like, no, oh. no big marijuana, but then they're like, but we want pharmaceutical to be in charge of it, right? Right. But um, uh, let me address here. Uh, oh, Sam was the group that didn't want mar marijuana at all. It was like smart approaches to marijuana was what it stood for. Right. It, yeah. It's the irony of his name, right? It sounds like it's a good fucking deal, but it's actually, uh, and I think, didn't Sam come out at the same time MPP? Because I was always confused about groups at one time. Like, I didn't know who was a good group and who was in it for a while. Yeah. Well, MPP's been around since 95. Um, Sam, okay. I think, formed in 2013, right after Colorado. Oh, and Washington okay. passed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see the, the, the checks. I would love to see their donor, donors just to be like, oh, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, where are they? where's the Snowden people when we when we need them? You know, like the, who is yeah. funding the yeah. uh, the marijuana prohibition out there? Seriously, yeah. but you know, part of the reason why I bring it, all all this big marijuana stuff up, though, who was the what was the state that had uh, the NSYNC guy that they were going to do a monopoly that there was? What was oh. that? Oh, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, imagine like these assholes, like all these people with money, uh, uh, all the big names, Mad Men. Uh, who's the one from Florida? True Leaf, uh, the one from uh, Chicago, uh, GL. Is that yours? Oh, there's a Cresco Labs in Chicago that's fairly large. But I mean, imagine these guys dumped all their money into all these prohibition states now and, and became big marijuana, right? Now it's legal. That's what I would do. I mean, when that Arkansas lady was on, I'd be like, $750,000? Sounds like an, a very interesting expansion plan. You yeah. Know, just buy the state. I mean, like, Talk about emerging markets. That's one of the things that we do in my job. I'm looking. And so, Jared, please tell me exactly where I should start locating. 
mm-hmm. and, and researching. And then you pick it apart. You understand how you uh, do the application and get your boots on the ground in there. And then if you could figure out, it'd be like, hey, we have this plan. How about you guys kick in this much? We'll make sure you get these many licenses. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the, the legis, And then, you know, those are the people that have the cash flows. I mean, granted, they have the IRC 280E kicking them, but uh, they have the cash flow to be able to allocate that. And people are just more likely to buy weed than they are to give to MPP. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. But, but, but my thinking is if there was more people like all, all this big marijuana across the country takes over, just supposedly like next week, uh, that means less people in jail. Right. And that means more opportunities for the lower guy eventually because big marijuana doesn't want to go to jail. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we we don't really take a, a, a strictly kind of purist position. Maybe um, I mean, we I, I think I understand, and I, I think most of the folks that work at MPP, you know, don't like to see things like you know what we saw in Ohio in 2015. This just sort of blatant um, grab of of monopolizing essentially the market. Um, that's just bad policy. And so our job isn't just to advocate for legalization. Period. We want to advocate for good policies. Um, so good legalization policies, but at the same time, you know, a lot of these ballot initiatives, uh, take some of them take millions of dollars to, to yeah. fund. And so how do you get that? I mean, you're, you know, you can try to do small dollar donations, um, and it doesn't look, yeah, but work. I mean, that's, yeah. that is, that is marketing 101. Where is my dollar going to do the most good? And very often it's buying off the congressman. And so like, if you can literally buy a state and open your doors there, why aren't people doing this? Yeah, well, by people, I mean cannabis companies. I, well, look, I, I got to say, you know, MPP, I think we all, before legalization was real, had this kind of idea that, hey, once we get a few markets set up, this is going to be great because we create this virtuous circle where, you know, the industry is making money. They give us money to do advocacy. We legalize in more states and the dominoes will fall. But what we've actually seen is the industry is often very reticent to support us because they're, I mean, you guys probably know this, but it's frustrating because they're, they're looking at their competition, right? And they're saying, well, I could put half a million into this campaign or I could put half a million into, you know, getting two more licenses. And if I don't do that, my, my competitor is going to do that. Um, so it actually, you know, we're in kind of a difficult spot where the philanthropists have sort of said, look, guys, you have an industry now. Why do you need our money? We're going to move on to other things. And the industry's like, hold on, why are you coming to me? What about my competitor? So, yeah. you know, we're still making it, but it's, you know, a lot of people think that we're just flush with cash and that's not the case. Why don't you guys just start buying your own licenses? Well, we're a nonprofit, right? You know, we, we, we're you can, a lot of, a lot of cannabis licenses are nonprofits. It's just, no, I hear you. It's just not, it's not our wheelhouse. I mean, what we do is we specialize in, in lobbying and, and running campaigns. And so, I guess it's an idea. Maybe I'll bring it up with the board and yeah. <laughs> see what people think. But yeah, they'll be like, "What kind of idiot told you that?" You're like, sorry, I was I was marketing for the company. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, you know that's a problem with the cannabis industry, right? There's uh, uh, doing the right thing doesn't fucking pay the bills. You know, it, it, that's the unfortunate right. part here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tom and I we've been doing this for ten years, just on online writing, blogging, doing stupid shit, um, not seeking revenue uh not seeking anything and eventually until, you become i realized that it was legitimately a job yeah like, you know because back when i was writing that book like, there was no such thing as a cannabis lawyer in illinois in 2010 that didn't exist until last year and if you're an advocate you're well, you're a scumbag i mean oh no, no it, was, uh, it was under a fake name you know yeah you had to hide right 
Yeah. We've come a long way. Ten years. <laughs> yeah, a lot has changed. This has been the decade of uh, of cannabis for sure. Oh, just just wait for this next decade. I mean, like, we're we're teeing that up pretty nice. Um, twenty twenty. Yeah, interesting to see how hemp shakes out, though. That's going to be something cool to see in ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Is is MPP involved in any of the uh, policy for hemp and all that? A little bit, but not too much. Uh, I know we had one guy uh, who was working closely with the um, USDA and, and giving feedback on some of the regulations. I don't know exactly how close he was, but I know he was working on that. Um, it's usually not something we put a ton of focus into, um, but you know, when it obviously it comes up, and, and we want to make sure that you know hemp is a viable industry. I mean, it's a tragedy that our country used to have you know a, a hemp industry that was the envy of the world and. And we, we threw all that away. Um, but hopefully we can rebuild it. Yeah. But we, we uh, changed the word to marijuana. And then we wrote all these phony newspaper articles. And then we made yeah. it really difficult for certain people to vote. Yep. Pretty, pretty tragic story. It is. But that's one of the things that I enjoyed uh, when I first got into like cannabis advocacy, learning how much bullshit there was. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's just shocking the amount of, and it's still there. And so bullshit. Garbage that they yeah. make up can literally create crimes, criminals. I mean, and that's the problem. Like the, the harm and the side effects are very real. Mm-hmm. But the whole reason for the law is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. Still. Well, and you, you And you look at like other countries, um, you know, we exported. We did. We're on drugs and around the world. Yeah. And you look at like the Philippines right now and they're literally executing people vigilante style because. They use marijuana. I mean, we we bear a lot of responsibility for that because I don't think the Philippines would have come up with these, you know, crazy policies and wars on their own. Um, and uh, yeah, now we're trying to put the cat in the bag, <laughs> back in the bag, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, the damage is is largely done. So, but it's good, you know. We got it. We got to start somewhere and rebuild. And 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 I think it's you know great for the world that the United States is starting to see you know yeah, legalization. Yeah, that's right. And they, they, we exported this prohibition and we'll be the first ones to undo it and capitalize on it as well. Uh, I hope that uh, the United States is not that duplicit, but then again, well, we're seeing the United States. Yeah. Even with our own citizens, we're complicit. I, I was telling Jared this morning about, uh, you know, Radical Russ over in, uh, uh, I oh, don't Mr. Mr. Russ Belleville. I've heard yeah. of him. I don't know him personally, but yeah, I've heard of him. Well, he posted a video this morning uh, of, well, they're petitioning for medical. Uh, coppers harassing him for some parking location and the cop literally talks to him what are you here for he's like we're petitioning for medical marijuana and the cop says well it's my understanding that all the good stuff's already been taken out and put in pills so i mean we got our own complacency here in the states let alone when did law enforcement become law advisor (laughs) uh i think around bill Barr. okay yeah (laughs) i just yeah i mean it's just it's an uphill battle but i mean we've we've made a lot of way Dude, we made a lot of way. And then that's the thing. If the uh, rumors are true, in a decade, this industry will be about four times the size it is now. And it's going to be hitting like 20 billion, 25 billion, somewhere in there these next couple of years. I mean, if it's, this becomes a hundred billion dollar a year industry, uh, man, that could do a lot of influence, a lot of influence. And then if uh, let's let's hope that the continued demonization of opioid drugs and Xanax and Ambien and pretty much anything else that's a pill form uh, continues unabated. That'd be great. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think it's about proper uh, drug uh, education, right? Like, yeah. like, like, like Jerry was saying earlier about all the drugs being legal. Who is it? Ecuador, where Portugal. Portugal, where if you have like your addicts and you contain them, like here in Seattle, you know, we got uh, tents popping up all over the place, and uh, I honestly know it's part, you know, mental health and part uh, drug addiction, right? Because who the fuck wants to live in the cold out in a tent in the middle of a highway, right? Um, so, I mean, we need a treat. Uh, you know, these as diseases, not as crimes. So, I agree yeah. with Jared, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, it, you can hate whatever drug you want, but prohibiting it, putting it in an illicit market, doesn't certainly doesn't make it inaccessible or safer. No, yeah. it, it it just exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Are we uh, taking off, Lord? Yeah, it's about that time, Jared. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, we follow you guys and keep up with MPP. Well, we've got MPP.org. Um, I think we're at Marijuana Policy on Twitter. Um, we've got a Facebook page, so that's the best place. And you can sign up for email alerts on our website and, uh, you know, state specific if you want. And, um, yeah, we, we, we do our best to keep folks informed. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, guys. As always, like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Cha-ching. <laughs>